Hi, I'm Josh Block, host of Uncover Escaping Nexium from CBC Podcasts. I pull back the curtain on the secretive self-help group that experts call a cult and follow one woman's harrowing journey to get out. The podcast was featured in Rolling Stone magazine and named one of the best podcasts of 2018 in The Atlantic. Listen to Uncover Escaping Nexium on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Connie Slizes has had a family doctor at the Group Health Centre in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario for 37 years. She'd hoped it would stay that way for the rest of her life. But then she got a letter saying the health service provider was going to drop her. I was initially kind of scared about this because I have a few health conditions that need doctor monitoring. I'm also on 13 different prescriptions that I will need renewed. They did renew them for a year, but after that year, all those prescriptions have to be renewed. So I'm going to have to go to a walk-in clinic and explain my whole life story again every time I need a prescription filled. And there's nobody that's going to be monitoring to make sure that these prescriptions I'm on are good for me. 10,000 other patients at the Group Health Centre, a major healthcare hub in the Sioux, got the same news last week. They were told they were being dropped because of a doctor shortage. Many GPs there are retiring. The loss will leave one in four people in that area of approximately 100,000 people without access to primary care. Sharon Indrevold also lives in Sault Ste. Marie. She's losing her family doctor at the Group Health Centre. Sharon, good morning. Good morning, Matt. When you opened that letter last week and read that your family doctor was going to be dropping you as a patient, what went through your mind? Well, the first part is desperation. Uh, you start to think about what's going to happen. Um, I've certainly been aware of all the community um, uh, discussions with regards to health care and what was and potentially could happen at group health. So, yes, my first one was desperation, a little bit worried about what happens next. Um, thankfully, I'm a, I'm a, um, I have fewer medical issues than the lady that was just on, mm. but still you think about what's happening in, in the future, and that is a scary thing. This is at the end of March? Yes, but actually, in fact, what's happened is um, the letter tells you to call your doctor to make an appointment to make sure you take their, care of anything before the end of March. Mm. Uh, but I called Mayan, and I cannot get in. Um, I called as soon as I got the letter, which was January 22nd, and uh, she is book solid, and there's a three-page wait list. So, again, unfortunately, I guess I'm terminated as of January. She's been your doctor for, for over 20 years, is that right? Over 20 years, yes, right. she has. And so, I mean, I, I hope you're in great health, but I, I just wonder what this is going to mean for you at this stage in your life. Oh, well, that's exactly it. That's the next worry. Um, and I don't... And, this point, I'm lucky, but moving forward, no, you begin to think, what, what the what ifs? And, um, you know, when we are a cancer hub in Ontario for this type of thing, you uh, worry about the odd, the different kinds of med- medical issues you could have and uh, where we go from here. So, yes, I am feeling uh, a little bit desperate. I'm worried. You know, you start to look at uh, options, um, and those are not great, uh, going out of the community, um, moving forward from here, what do you do? What yeah. practically is it going to mean? I mean, I don't want to pry too much, but in terms of, you, you go to the doctor for, you know, a checkup and what have you, mm-hmm. but you also, like, it's, it's maintenance, right? If you're on certain medications or what have you, if there's things well, that you need to keep an eye as, on. Yes, this is the thing. And as you get older, you do have things that get red flagged and you think, maybe I should go and get that checked mm-hmm. before it becomes a, a bigger issue. Well, where do I go to get it checked? If I went to a clinic, I'm tying up a clinic, for what? Uh, at 
an issue that I think may be there. Um, don't want to do that. Do I go to emerge, which is what's suggested in the letter? And our emergency department in the Sioux is already stocked from hours, 10, 12, 14 hours, people waiting. Is that, what, is that what it says in the letter, that if you have an issue, you should go to the emergency department? Yes, it says, first of all, um, it gives you three options. Walk-in clinic, which again, uh, most of them are telemeds. Yeah. Two, health 811, which is really, uh, I, I think, a, no, a non-starter. And, and then essentially, the they just tell you to go to the doctor often when you call yeah, 811. Well, there is no doctor to go to, so those are your options. Are there other family doctors that are taking patients? I mean, I can imagine when 10,000 people get this letter, there's a mad scramble to get on the lists for those doctors who may be available. Is there anybody, you know, who's taking a patient? No. And it is a misnomer to say 10,000. It's actually 16,000. 6,000 were let go uh, about a year and a half ago when Mm. we started. They started this uh, progression. And um, it's then the next wave of 10. So it really is about 16,000 people from... Uh, within and without a group health. And so what are you going to do? <laughs> well, that is a very good question. Uh, there are options. You can go across to Michigan. We are a border city. We can go to Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan. However, you'll have to pay. Um, and if you, they have excellent care in, in lower Michigan. But again, all of these are not covered by OHIP unless you have a referral from your doctor. So that's a dead end. Um, a lot of people were going to a community doctor um, two hours away from the Sioux wow. towards Sudbury. Again, those doors are shut. I've heard that people have um, tried that with sick children instead of waiting 10, 12, 14 hours and emerge, and those doors are closed. Those notices have been, if you're not a resident, um, stay at home. So it is, it is a sad situation. Um, and the other part of this is that it could have been addressed a few years ago. Hmm. The group health has been saying over and over again that uh, their doctors are aging. And you know what? God bless them. They have extended their retirement dates just to accommodate, I think, a lot of patients, mm. like my doctor did. And uh, nothing happened. It's on deaf ears. What a mess. Sharon, I really wish you the very best. I'm really glad to talk to you about this, though. Thank well, you. Ta- take care of yourself. Well, I hours on this one because I'll tell you, there's, I haven't pointed the finger at the government because... Ross Romano and the uh, Conservatives have done nothing when the alarm bell was sounded a few years ago. And now they want to throw money in this week and say, well, we'll give you a a few hundred thousand dollars. But they haven't addressed the issue of health care in this city that was raised two, three, four years ago. And I don't blame on the Algoma District Medical Group. I blame the government for its inaction. We're going to talk more about this, Sharon. Take care of yourself and thanks. Well, thank you very much and you have a good day. And you. Sharon Indervold lives in Sault Ste. Marie and she is one of those many thousands of patients who will be without a family doctor, as you heard, by the end of March. Dr. Jody Stewart is a family physician at the Group Health Centre in Sault Ste. Marie, the CEO of the Algoma District Medical Group, which operates out of that centre. Dr. Stewart, good morning to you. Good morning, Matt. And and first I want to say to Sharon... I am so sorry, Sharon and, and Connie and all of the other 10,000 people that this is happening to you. I, I, you know, I hear in your voice how, how much this is affecting you. And we, we know, we know that and know that we're doing everything possible and have done everything possible and, and we'll continue to work on this. Help me understand this. Why is group health dropping 10,000 or I mean, Sharon says 16,000 patients. Why is this happening? It, it's multifactorial. There, there's three three big reasons. Uh, the first is retirement. So 35% of our physicians are over the age of 60. Um, most of our long-term locum services are retirees who've returned to provide care who are in their mid to late 70s. Um, so that's the first bit. 
The second bit is uh, re recruitment. So our major source of recruitment is through the Northern Ontario School of Medicine. And, and we teach and mentor their students and their family medicine residents here. And over the last few years, we've seen that fewer of those graduates are returning to practice office-based primary care. They're doing a lot of other jobs in the North, but are not choosing office-based primary care. And then the third one is, is retention. So younger, earlier career physicians leaving office-based primary care due to burnout, largely related to the paperwork mm. and um, administrative part of family medicine that has grown so exponentially. You're from the Sioux. Um, and I mean, it's 10,000 or 100,000 people, but it, it's one of those communities where in many ways, a lot of people know each other. You must know people who, who are impacted by this as patients. Uh, yeah, I'm from here. I trained here. I, you know, I chose to return to practice here and raise my family here because Sault Ste. Marie is an amazing place to live and to work. And it's an amazing place to be a family doctor. Um, but yes, in these 10,000 are, are my friends, are my neighbors, and definitely are my family. So this this impacts definitely all of us. How many doctors, Sharon talked about her doctor uh, in delaying retirement and that other doctors have done this too. How many doctors have delayed retirement because they're worried about what's going to happen with their patients? All of our physicians who've thought about retirement have delayed retirement. Um, the, the two that we have retiring this spring have, have delayed and we still have two to three more who are actively delaying, who who set a retirement date of a year to two years ago and, and who are still coming to the office day in and day out because they know that there's no other option for their patients at this point. You mentioned burnout and talked about paperwork as well. But in a situation, we know this across the country, where, where primary care is really difficult to access at the best of times. What do doctors tell you? about just the workload and the fact that that's difficult to keep their head above water. Yeah, this this is our number one thing that our, our physicians or that our doctors are talking about. The, the 19 hours a week that they're spending doing paperwork, what they're saying is they don't want to be looking at their computer screen. They don't want to be doing paperwork. They want to be in the office talking to their patients seeing more patients and, you know, really doing the job that we were trained for, which is looking after the health and wellness of our patients. What do you have to do then? And what has to be done more broadly to make sure that doctors want to come to your community, but also will stay in the community? I think we're working on many, many solutions. I think family doctors across the province have solutions for this. We'd like to see increased uh, supports for allied health so that the, the, patients in the community get the right care at the right place. They don't all need to see me first. And, and we've got some solutions that would help um, help with that volume of patients. We'd also like to see some of the programs looking at international medical graduates um, be you know, ramped up and get those people into our communities faster. We know in Sault Ste. Marie, there's between 30 and 50 internationally trained physicians living in our community already mm. that are not eligible to work at this point. Um, that would make a big difference. It would make a big difference. I mean, one of the things, the, 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 you know, the reason to talk about this is because of what's happening in Sault Ste. Marie. But as I say, this is a story that's familiar to people right across the country where it's so difficult to access primary care. What are you most worried about just finally in your community if people don't have access to, to that care? I'm most worried that this trend continues and that we have further losses. We've identified you know, 6,000 more people who are at risk over the next 12 months. And I worry that without fast action, um, 
the health of our community is going to suffer. People are going to get sicker, right? Yeah, we know that primary care is the basis for healthcare and that without good primary care, really health outcomes get much worse and, and people are much sicker. You're a family physician yourself. Have you thought about leaving the community? No, no, absolutely not. My patients are asking me every day this, uh, to this over the last few weeks, but I love Sault Ste. Marie and, and the Group Health Centre is, I think, the best place to practice family medicine in the country. So no, no, there's no hope of me leaving. Dr. Stewart, we'll leave it there. I wish you the best of luck. Thank you very much. Thanks, Matt. Dr. Jody Stewart is a family physician at the Group Health Centre in Sault Ste. Marie and the CEO of the Algoma District Medical Group. Hello, I'm Jess Milton. For 15 years, I produced The Vinyl Cafe with the late, great Stuart McLean. Every week, more than 2 million people tuned in to hear funny, fictional, feel-good stories about Dave and his family. We're excited to welcome you back to the warm and welcoming world of The Vinyl Cafe with our new podcast, Backstage at The Vinyl Cafe. Each week, we'll share two hilarious stories by Stuart, and for the first time ever, I'll tell you what it was like behind the scenes. Subscribe for free wherever you get your podcasts. Dr. Mike Green is a family physician, president of the College of Family Physicians of Canada. Dr. Green, good morning to you. Good morning, Matt. How similar is this story? And again, the numbers are alarming, 10,000, 16,000, perhaps even more patients will be without primary care. But how similar is this to what's happening in other rural communities in particular across this country? Well, unfortunately, it rings, uh, rings true as a problem that's shared across much of Canada. We have a major problem in this country with access to primary care and uh, to comprehensive care from a family physician. Somewhere, uh, depending on the province, uh, Ontario, with you know maybe 15 to 20 percent of people having difficulty accessing a family doctor, is actually uh, has one of the highest rates of attachment in the country, where some provinces are up as high as already 25, 30 percent of people without access to care. We've done, I mean, special programs everywhere from Victoria to Nova Scotia to talk about this um, on, you know, in the last few years and to talk about the desperation that people are facing. Uh, Dr. Stewart mentioned two things that were at play in her community. One is that in many ways, the doctors who are there are, are delaying retirement because they're worried about their patients, but they're, they're ready to go. They're, they're, they, they have worked, you know, the, 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 their, their uh, allotment and they're ready for a next generation to come in. Why isn't that next generation following them into family medicine? Well, there's a couple of reasons. One is uh, just that, in fact, the uh, enrollment in medical schools in Canada has been pretty flat for a long time, even though we've seen, uh, as I think you've seen in the news, major population growth with more population growth coming. And we just haven't kept pace with training the numbers of physicians that we need. The second is the one that you mentioned about uh, the change in graduates wanting to go into comprehensive office-based practice. That's related to things like the administrative burden, the huge amount of extra paperwork, but it's also related to um, the um, difficulties with uh, how doctors are paid, how they want to be paid, uh, access to group practice. Group health in Sault Ste. Marie actually has been a shining star in Canada. It's a great place to work. I'd agree with Dr. Stewart. It's a fantastic place to work. Hmm. But many Canadian doctors don't even ha don't have access to that. I mean, we've heard from family doctors and people who have been in family medicine in years past that within those medical schools in particular, potential uh, people who might go into family practice are steered away from that, that they're steered towards more specialty-based uh, care. Is that your understanding? Well, it's it's very complex. Um, there's many things that go into finding out who's the right person to be an excellent family doctor. And 
Canada's training programs produce excellent, comprehensive family doctors. But is the belief that um, being a family doctor is not nearly as glamorous isn't the right word, but do you know what I mean? That, 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 that it's not as attractive in some ways as some of those specialties. You certainly hear that. The term we use in the medical education world is the hidden curriculum. Um, a lot of our training is in hospitals. So we know that uh, things like moving more training out into the community, training more people in a distributed way and the kinds of communities where they're going to work matters. We also know it matters who you admit. Uh, some people are going to be more uh, attuned to being the kind of person who would make an excellent family doctor, uh, what we call a generalist, someone who's uh, comfortable with not being sure about what a problem is and sorting it out. Um, and I think our medical schools could also do a better job in selecting more people who are well-suited for family medicine into their training programs. How do we ensure that people um, who go into family medicine will will go to those communities, particularly in the north, like Sault Ste. Marie, um, and stay in those communities, in part because we know there's a discrepancy of care, but also a discrepancy in terms of health outcomes for people in the north compared to those living in the south. Yeah, well, I think we have a lot of the solutions available. Uh, Dr. Stewart mentioned that uh, solutions have been proposed in Ontario. We've proposed them nationally as our college. We know that supporting doctors with the infrastructure that they need so they can focus on being doctors and providing patient care will help. We know that providing them with teams who can help them work to their full scope and make sure that they're doing the things that only they can do uh, will, will help. And we do also know that it does matter both how and how much you pay doctors. Uh, traditional fee-for-service tends uh, not to be as attractive anymore. Most new grads do not want to run a business and be a small business owner. They'd like to be in a supported practice where they can just focus on their work of being a doctor. And the pay for family doctors for office practice needs to keep pace with the pay for family doctors for things like emergency work and working in a hospital, which are the other sorts of work that family doctors are making huge contributions to across this country. Dr. Stewart also said that there's something like 30 or 35 internationally trained family physicians who are living in Sault Ste. Marie who can't actually practice medicine right now. What do we need to do to engage? It seems like that that's those are doctors waiting to do work. What do we need to do to engage them? So there's uh, a lot of uh, different um, pathways uh, for internationally trained graduates to come into the Canadian medical system. People may not know that already for our uh, national certification program for family medicine to become a Canadian certified family doctor, last year 41% of all our new certificates had trained at a medical school outside of Canada. Um, in addition, Ontario and many other provinces have uh, new what they call practice-ready assessment uh, pathways where they're uh, doing some assessment for doctors from certain countries but do in they, the community do, do, to get them straight in. Do things need to change more? I mean, with the college in particular, do things, do you need to reach out and ensure, change, change regulations such that, and I mean, you know, the leader of the Conservative Party has talked about this, making sure that internationally trained healthcare professionals can actually work here, that we have a, a waiting supply of doctors, they can't actually practice though. So th there are, there is a supply of doctors waiting to have some assessment. So there's different routes to that. One is there can be more positions in the assessment and training programs. I know that across the country, the different regulatory authorities, so the the groups that actually set these rules are the colleges, like the College of Physicians and Surgeons of Ontario. 
And I was actually just at a meeting last week where we were talking about what can we do as the certification colleges, our national college and the colleges together to streamline these pathways uh, for uh, people. Um, We could also probably use more ways to try and get people into the medical profession even while they're waiting. Um, so there are very, been very few programs in Canada for things like physician assistants um, or other similar roles where someone may be able to start to get into delivering care while they're waiting for a more formal training and assessment program. In the meantime, this is an alarming story. We're out of time, but, but with six and a half million Canadians without a family doctor, do you think it gets worse before it gets better? Well, if the go- the government needs to act, and they can, the provinces need to take advantage of the recently announced increases in health transfers right. and put that money into primary care. We'll leave it there. This is an issue that um, is is certainly people across this country are seized with. Dr. Green, thank you very much for your time on this. You're welcome. Have a great day. And you, Dr. Mike Green, is a family physician and president of the College of Family Physicians of Canada. If you, like many Canadians, like those folks in Sault Ste. Marie, have found that your doctor is not going to be your doctor in the future, we'd love to hear from you. What are you doing in that situation? You can email us, thecurrent at cbc.ca. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.